millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. My name is Christopher Harris. We're joined uh, by my co-host Karthik Krishnair. Uh, for those of, of you who haven't listened to this show before, it's a, usually a deep dive into talking about uh, how to watch soccer through television and streaming, as well as re- related topics uh, from the world of soccer slash football. So Karthik, one of the big topics that uh, came out last week was the announcement of a mega deal between uh, ESPN, Fox, and uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, aka TNT Sports. And when the the, announce, the announcement was made, uh, I think the headline that we used was uh, a killer app because it sounded huge. It sounded like three mega gi- media giants coming together, agreeing to go ahead and combine a lot of the sports content onto one app that people could go ahead and download and, and watch all the sports they could possibly wa- want to watch. In hindsight now, Kartik, one week later, after you you and I have had a chance to kind of think about this a little bit more deeply, what are your thoughts now uh, a week after um, the announcement uh, from these three uh, giants? So the irony for me personally is this coincides with me launching a podcast series on a different podcast, a Florida history podcast on the history of Disney in Florida, which actually launches next uh, Tuesday, uh, shameless plug, and it's going to be an 11 episode season uh, with myself and my co-host. So I've been diving a little more extensively into Disney financials and um, Disney corporate reality of today than I normally would. So I feel like... um, Having that background now, I can say that this is a um, this is kind of a, 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 a an aggressive step by Disney and of course um, uh, uh, Fox and Warner Brothers Discovery as well. But that it might be um, a hedge against uh, uh, cable cord cutting, but it also might have some pitfalls where it cannibalizes um, cable subscriptions uh, among cable subscribers. Um, we're finding the sports streaming space is difficult. It is difficult to get people to sign up for streaming services, um, larger streaming services, just because of their sports content. So you're seeing more and more sports content being dumped onto um, 
Well, let's talk about the streaming services that are not part of this, right? CBS's Paramount Plus and NBC's Peacock. You're seeing more and more sports um, uh, being dumped on there to try and trigger the signups. I think it's similar with ESPN Plus, right? A lot of linear people who have ESPN linear have not necessarily signed up for ESPN Plus. Um, now, ESPN could dump more on ESPN Plus exclusively, but then they're more dependent on linear programming, the Disney channels are, than um, CBS and NBC. In terms of Fox, they don't have a really good streaming component, so I think there's less risk uh, for them. This is a one-third, one-third, one-third arrangement, by the way, for uh, the listeners who don't know that. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, there's some risk as well. Uh, But I think also when you consider uh, some of the things in this package, right? Um, ABC and Fox, you're going to get anyway. Right. If you have a television, you have antennas or you have some sort of digital box, you're going to get those. And then the um, the Fox Sports channels. Let's see if FS1 and FS2 are even a a viable going thing uh, uh, when this uh, app launches. Um, TNT, uh, ESPN, ESPN2, that stuff is good, obviously. But if the price point is too high for this. Are people really going to cut the cord? This is also an effort to compete with Fubo um, and Sling and other services like that and bring that that revenue, cut out the middleman, so to speak, right? Bring that revenue directly into um, not News Corp, uh, Disney and Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, It may not be the game changer we think there it is. And and I have some uh, additional concerns maybe I'll articulate later about this. Yeah, I want to push back with you on on a couple of things there, though, too. Like you were mentioning, too, that uh, like apps where they're throwing sports on there to try to get people to subscribe to it. I think it's the other way around. I mean, for me, if I look at Peacock, the only reason I subscribe to Peacock is because of the Premier League. I'm not subscribing because of the TV shows or movies or or series. Paramount Plus. I love Paramount Plus for, for soccer. Right. I don't watch any of the other shows or movies or anything that's on there. Uh, ESPN Plus is you know a sports streaming package. Max, Max does feel that way. Max feels that you mean you go to it for HBO content and some movies and some good shows, but then the sports are kind of thrown on it. Um, it's still early, early, early days there. But but for those who don't know, so so basically, th- this does feel more like a Fubo killer or, or a Sling killer, uh, rather than kind of one app that has everything you can possibly want. It does have the channels on there, so you would be able to get, and this is supposed to be released uh, at the end of this year, it will have ESPN, ESPN2, kind of all the ESPN channels, ABC, Fox, FS1, FS2, TNT, TBS, True TV, etc. So what it does have specifically uh, importantly is the the turner channels which fubo currently does not uh same thing with sling sling with sling orange and then the sling blue which one do you get so do you to combine them for both of them but this this has everything there in addition to that to the um, espn slash disney fox and uh, tnt says that they'll put uh some other big big sports on here for for soccer fans. I mean, to me, the big news is the World Cup. Fox saying, okay, the World Cup will will be available uh, on this app, but it does feel like to me that ESPN, Fox, and TNT, kind of scrambling, kind of almost like saying, okay, what can we do 
to throw together all these things onto one app to try to stem the flow of people in cutting subscriptions or cutting the cord? How can we compete against the Fubos and Slings of the world rather than have this one app be, I mean, bigger and better and kind of more forward thinking? It seems to be kind of a, a reactive step rather than a proactive step. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with that. I think it is reactive. Um, and I also think that there is the possibility that the people who have already made the decision that they want to get out of cable are on Fubo, YouTube TV, um, Sling, right? Yeah. Um, and we know right now YouTube is winning the streaming wars in general. Google has played their hand expertly, which Disney has not. Um, uh, Disney Plus, in fact, uh, has lost uh, uh, tons of money since its launch. Uh, D Disney Plus has launched uh, uh, lost uh, eleven billion since its launch. So that's um, you know pretty uh, significant uh, change for for Disney. I think this has the prospect of cannibalizing cable subscribers. And while you could say, well, maybe then it's a smart hedge if people are cutting the cord. Um, the carriage fees, and this is where it's more critical for Disney than it is for Fox uh, and Warner Brothers Discovery. Although Warner Brothers Discovery is kind of in the middle on this. The carriage fees Disney gets from cable subscriptions are the highest in the industry. Um, it is really not. It's funny because Disney and Comcast are rivals, but Disney relies a lot on people not cutting their Xfinity uh, cable uh, uh, packages. They, they rely a lot on. Uh, cable carriage rights. Now they might cannibalize their own audience. And I've seen this in other industries. I mean, I just give the example um, personally that that, that, that that I experienced of um, when U.S. Airways spun off a low-cost carrier called Metrojet uh, to fly in and out of Baltimore. And U.S. Airways had a large hub in, in Washington National. And for me and several other people who went to Washington regularly, we just said, okay, we'll fly to Baltimore instead. It's close enough. Just take the train from Baltimore. So we were still flying U.S. Airways, but we were not flying the more expensive U.S. Airways. And it got to a point where they, they did force majeure and they shut down the low-cost carrier because um, it was cannibalizing their own passengers, whereas they thought they were going to attract passengers that were flying on cheaper airlines. This could be a similar thing. They think they're going to get people who are uh, subscribed to Sling or Fubo um, or YouTube TV. And in fact, what they're going to be doing is they're going to be taking the people who subscribe to Comcast or DirecTV or whatever platform that Disney gets high carriage fees from, and they're going to be cutting the cord and going to the service, which will probably, since it's a one-third, one-third split, net Disney less money. Now for Fox, I don't think it's quite as critical. I think this is a good deal for them. And uh, it does get their streaming properties, which is a lot of international soccer tournaments, into people's homes. It'll be too late for the Euros uh, and the Copa America this summer uh, when this app launches, but it will be in time for the 2026 World Cup uh, and other soccer properties that may or may not be on Fox after that. Well, the 2028 Euros we know will be on Fox. Yeah, yeah, good point, Psychotic. Where it falls, where it falters, where this app uh, doesn't succeed is really uh, two major things. And for soccer fans, and, and that's the Premier League and also um, Liga MX. So the two most popular soccer leagues in the United States would not be on this this mega app, whatever it's going to be called, uh, released later this year. You're missing out on the Premier League. Not only are you missing out on the Premier League and Liga MX, but you're also missing out on the Champions League. 
So whatever this price is going to be for this uh, this mega app, which who knows, $50 a month or so, some crazy number, you're still going to have to find a way to watch, even subscribe to Peacock uh, and watch games on USA Network through through Sling or Fubo or something. And then go ahead and get Liga Max games if you want to watch, um, I mean, content in Spanish. And then subscribe to Paramount Plus if you want to watch uh, the Champions League. So to me, at the end of the day, it's probably better just to stick with Fubo or stick with YouTube TV or stick with Sling because that's going to offer you all of the different things that uh, uh, you, you mean you, you can get instead of you mean going to this, this app. That's for soccer fans. Now, I think there are a lot of sports fans who don't watch soccer, who are not watching... Yeah, they may still need Paramount for uh, Paramount and Peacock for the NFL. Actually, that's a good point. But there, there are a lot of sports fans. I think that just watch. Uh, um, uh, maybe it's because um, I, I, I'm, I'm talking more of the basketball fans than anyone. But they just watch ESPN and Turner, so it yeah. would work for NBA fans, I guess. And I for do college basketball fans, although. Uh, you know, a lot of college basketball is still on CBS, even though ESPN and Turner have have the bulk of the rest. Um, I do I do agree with you, Kartik. This is a good move for Fox, and and it's a good move for TNT as far as kind of uh, getting even even helping them out, right? Because like Max, which it has sports, but still feels weird. I mean, I'm not going to Max to subscribe to sports. But there is some sports on there. Oh, you've got basketball, it, which is it great. Has, it has sports for now. Now, well, it will always have sports, but I'm under the impression Warner Brothers Discovery might make it a additional pay queue. Yeah, um, which they, which they are going to. Yeah, it's supposed yeah, it was right. supposed to be in January, but they said no, we're going to give it away for free. And at some point, uh, probably in the next few months, they're going to start charging for it. Uh, for me, I'm I'm not going to pay for it. I mean. I mean, for, and again, too, this has come from a soccer-centric world, so it'll have the U.S. men's national team and women's national team friendlies on there. I can get those through through Peacock in Spanish. Um, you mean so? So there's not a lot of pull, not a, you mean, from, from the sports point of view uh, for me as a soccer fan. So yeah, I think a, a week later with this deal, you mean it does. I mean, when it was first announced, it sounded like major. But once you start looking at it in more detail, um, it's not as attractive. Also, ESPN last week announced that they are going to launch a standalone app. Um, I think it's the end of this year or beginning of next year. So if you're a cord cutter and you want to subscribe and, and get just ESPN, ESPN2, uh, etc., you can do that. Uh, and again, too, I mean, you can do that today if you're a cord cutter. You can subscribe to Sling or YouTube TV or Fubo, etc., and still get that. So that's what it feels like to me is, is more of kind of an attack on the Fubos of the world. Um, and Fubo came out with a statement too, saying that this is ridiculous. You mean, you mean basically you're hurting them. Um, and Fubo's been a close partner with, with, with Fox also. I mean, you've got the Euros this summer. Uh, you mean those games will be shared between Fox and Fubo. Some of those games will only be on Fubo. Um, you mean so that but Fubo does offer a whole bunch, a ton of other stuff that this mega app is not going to offer. It does feel though, Kartik, like right now, uh, here we are, what February twenty twenty four, that the soccer sports bubble is um, has burst or is about to burst. And the reason I mentioned mention this too is that um, you look at Serie A. 
Serie A was supposed to announce last year um, who's going to get the rights to that league. They're still trying to find a a partner that's willing to pay how much that they they want to get. You've got the French league. Um, their deal with BN Sports is up at the end of the season. They would have hoped to probably a few months ago that they would have been able to find a partner that's willing to pay what they want uh, in this U.S. market, and it's going to give them all of the um, you mean, options as far as having games on TV and streaming, etc. Same with Serie A. They want more money. And now you have the EFL, the English Football League, that was supposed to announce last year who their partner was going to be because their, their deal with ESPN Plus ends at the end of the season. And they just announced a, a new deal with Relevant Sports. Or it, basically, it's close to being announced with Relevant Sports, where Relevant will go ahead and uh, try to sell the rights to the EFL in North America. What do you think, Kartik? Has, has a soccer bubble b- burst when it comes to you mean streaming and leagues specifically trying to find uh, yeah. partners? Yeah, I think uh, it's very difficult at this point, and the Bundesliga is going to have a renewal coming up pretty soon. I think that's going to be difficult. What we found is that the uh, the market has segregated itself. Uh, there's a Premier League audience, which is uh, fairly substantial in soccer terms, in general sports terms it's not, but in soccer terms it's fairly substantial, that is kind of segregated from the audience for other competitions. And the other competitions have these little small subsets and i think the hope for years was that those small subsets would grow larger as the game grew in the u.s and as uh maybe people discovered them and moved away from the premier league in fact the opposite has happened the premier league has gone from having you know a fairly large subset like those smaller subsets into being much larger right being being uh, a viable and i say it's small by general sports standards that still doesn't make it insignificant it's you know it's like the nhl it's like that kind of property right uh a college basketball on most days right it's in that that category that bracket which is not insignificant right people will pay for that in this country they're not going to pay for these other properties uh where la liga fits is an interesting question because espn has through relevant the long-term deal with la liga does la liga have the runway Chris, I think this is the big question. Do they have the runway with several more years on that deal, five more years on that deal after this season, uh, to, 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 to approach the Premier League level? The other leagues don't, because they're going to keep flipping from broadcaster to broadcaster, and we see the uh, with the media rights bubble in general bursting, right, outside of the NFL uh, in the U.S., um, is there uh, enough appetite for those leagues? I don't think so. But La Liga, maybe we put in a different category because they have the reliable media partner. They have the media partner that's promoting them very aggressively. And they have um, the potential of several more uh, Champions League triumphs between now and then from Real Madrid, Barcelona. Well, it won't be Barcelona this year, obviously. But Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona, Lighty in the future, uh, etc. So um, that is the one caveat I put on it. But otherwise, I think the bubble has burst and the Premier League has won this battle. Yeah, I think La Liga, it all depends on the Spanish language audience. And um, I think La Liga's deal with ESPN Plus initially which every game was available exclusively on ESPN Plus, and the Spanish language audience hasn't gravitated to streaming uh, as quickly and in the amounts of, amounts that uh, the Anglo's have in the United States. 
now that they've changed that within the past year, year and a half, where every game is on ESPN Deportes and on ESPN Plus, I mean, that's a good fit. But moving ahead, though, Karthik, that's that's a good question. To me, it comes down to two things, and that's if uh, Kylian Mbappe signs a deal with Real Madrid this summer. And then the other thing, too, I mean, if, if Lionel Messi decides in, uh, I mean, his contract is up next year with Major League Soccer, if he says, hey, you know, I'm going to do one more season with Barcelona just to say, say my goodbyes, that those two things could trigger, I mean, a dramatic impact in terms of uh, interest in that league. Um, but to me, it comes down to, I mean, really kind of come down to that Spanish language audience. Will they gravitate to Real Madrid? I mean, one of the best teams uh, in Europe. I mean, if they win the Champions League, that helps too. But um, but yeah, you're right, Kartik. This is, um, it's pretty much, it, it feels like the, the Premier League has gobbled up all of the TV streaming revenue. Um, and we saw that too, even when, what, it's a couple of years ago now, which seems, it seems like yesterday. But when the Premier League's rights were up for bidding at the same time that Major League Soccer was in negotiations with all the broadcasters, and when the broadcasters told, told MLS, hey, wait, <laughs> wait until the Premier League deal is done, and then and then we'll talk. And that's exactly what happened. You had ESPN, CBS, Fox, NBC, uh, and others, Fubo, I mean, all of these huge uh, mega companies putting in some, uh, the media giants putting in some massive bids for the Premier League. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, I think Fubo put in the biggest bid of them all to get the Premier League rights. Or, or CBS put in more than, uh, CBS and Fox put more in, offered more than what Warner, NBC was Warner, offering. Warner Brothers. It was Warner Brothers and Fox. Warner Brothers and Fox. Okay, so all these companies put in some mega offers, and only there was only one winner, which was NBC Sports. They renewed the deal for a lot more money than they, what they paid for in the past, and then I think the gig was up at, at that point. Then okay, I, I mean those broadcasters passed on Major League Soccer, and then Apple came in and did the deal with MLS. This is important to understand. So the Premier League took less money from NBC, even though it was a substantial increase over the previous package. Then Warner Brothers Discovery, or they were just Warner Brothers at the time, Warner Brothers and Fox offered, and um, or Turner Sports and Fox and Fubo offered. Um, this is because they understood that the partnership with NBC, which had grown their footprint in the United States, was more critical than a couple couple hundred million more dollars or, or whatever they were going to get over the course of the, of the package. Um, now, the other leagues in the United States have never realized this, Chris. They just take the highest bid. And right. they ended up, as a result, and I'm looking at both you, La Liga, and Liga, you have ended up with bad media partnerships because of it, which have put you in a position where you will never catch the Premier League in this country when you maybe could have. Um, yeah, you know, when um, when uh, BN launched in the United States in 2012, I thought at that point there was a chance La Liga would surpass the Premier League in the United States. Uh, Premier League was on Fox and ESPN. There had been growth, but it was, you know, they, they, there, was room to, there was room to grow. And in fact, MLS was not that far behind Premier League at the time in terms of television ratings. People forget that. Uh, right when they come and criticize World Soccer Talk's reporting and analysis, they forget that in 2012, when um, the Premier League did the deal with NBC, October of 2012, at that point, MLS uh, MLS was actually on NBC and ESPN at the time, right? It got gotten yeah. off of Fox, and their numbers had gone up 
in that period from 2011 to 2014 before they uh, they went into you know full on expansion mode with with a bunch of new teams. So um, the Premier League knew their partnership with NBC was more valuable than a couple dollars here and there. And the other leagues have never realized that, right? Uh, ES, uh, uh, MLS did not realize their partnership with ESPN was probably more important than a couple more dollars. Although, um, just to finish on this, Chris, as I, I've said before, Serie A has a revenue problem because of their television deal, yet they're still generating a lot more money from television around the world than MLS. So maybe MLS need, needed to take the money because they weren't getting any money anyway, really, if you think about it. So what do you do, though? So, like, right now in this, right right this second, right, you've got uh, Serie A, you've got the English Football League, uh, which includes, you mean, all all of the division, three divisions, plus you get the, the league, league Cup in there, too. But you have the EFL, you have Serie A, and you have Ligue 1, and you have the, the Turkish Super League. So all four of those entities are trying to find uh, bidders, trying to find a new home for next season or maybe they stay with the same home that they're under but because all all of them i'm sure are wanting more money than really what the valuation is of, of really kind of what they can you know how they're much smaller leagues even Serie A with, with all the americans in there it there's not a ton of people watching Serie A in massive numbers like liga mackies or premier league right it's it's still relatively smaller but what do you do? What do you do if you're the, these leagues, Kartik? Which which path do you take? Because we're at a point in time where the soccer bubble, streaming bubble, has burst. Um, for the most part, most of the major media companies don't have as much budget for soccer than they would have done maybe a few years ago. Uh, there's been massive layoffs in a lot of these companies. A lot of these companies are cutting back. Paramount Plus this year so far has been cutting back on they're not showing every single Argentine game uh, they're only showing a small selection of those so on and so forth what do you do if you're a league which path do you take or, or do you create your, your own path I, 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 look we're spinning our wheels we've been talking about this forever and I don't see any any problems well, I mean I mean do you go at the Apple path where it's yeah you mean... yes but but then the problem is with the Apple path is you don't want to cut out your home region so again i have said over and over again Serie A got a bad deal in italy and they settled and it's going to hurt their business you're going to see a bigger gap between Serie A and um and premier league la liga in terms of spending the next uh and bundesliga bundesliga has a great uh disown package and, and sky package in, in germany uh but you still you can't give that money up to go to apple globally and apple wants global deals so uh, maybe you, you you start looking at prime in specific areas um, or local broadcasters in specific areas. Um, but then in terms of the U.S., I, I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I, I, uh, we, we've, we've talked about this forever, and I don't see a solution, <laughs> honestly. I don't want to be so negative, but I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I did not expect the Premier League to take off. I mean, I always thought the Premier League was vulnerable and it was an English language thing and, you know, maybe a lot of Anglophiles that, that like the Premier League and, um, and, and, and that once uh, these other um, leagues were exposed to a wider market and were on ESPN uh, or, or CBS networks like that, mainstream networks like that, there would be uh, some evening out. And in fact, it's gone the opposite direction. I think mm -hmm. the Bundesliga is less relevant now on ESPN than it was on Fox. I think Serie A is 
in spite of, again, I, I stand by this. I think last year, Serie A was the best league in, in the world. Yeah. Uh, but um, it going to CBS has done nothing to improve the, the, the scale or scope of the property in the U.S. In fact, it's probably regressed. And so this goes along uh, at the same time as you are re repeatedly reporting, Chris, on World Soccer Talk. NBC set this record for Premier League viewership. Peacock set this record for Premier League viewership. Telemundo set this record for P Premier League viewership. So I, I just don't, I don't want to be so negative, but I, I just think the, the game is up. And Americans yeah. are accustomed to kind of fixating on one league or one competition in, in a given sport. College sports being an exception, but college sports kind of aren't because, you know, I think the college sports audience segregates itself. They're Big Ten fans or SEC fans or ACC fans, and they don't really watch the other conferences. Um, I think that's what's happened here. There's a segregated audience, and the Premier League has won. They've got, um, of the diehard uh, English language dominant uh, football fans in this country, I would say the Premier League probably have over half of it, and everybody else is splitting the other 40% or whatever. So that's, you know, in terms of, market share that's close to being a monopoly if you're being perfectly honest about it and that's i don't think that's a good thing I, i'm mm -hmm. not saying this with relish uh for the listeners out there who might think we're biased towards the premier league i'm not saying this with relish i'm just reporting reality which is that they've won nbc has won yeah to me the biggest story that came out of soccer this past weekend was several incidents that happened in the german bundesliga um anyone who missed it on, on Friday and Saturday and, and Sunday, but Friday and Saturday especially, there were massive protests at Borussia Dortmund, uh, also in the uh, the Bundesliga 2, uh, the Hamburg game, uh, protests against the planned um, investment um, into the, prem the, the the Bundesliga's media rights. You've got some, you had Blackstone, you had some other uh, private equity invest investment groups, some Saudi money, trying to basically buy their way into owning the Bundesliga media rights. And the German soccer fans protested big time. I mean, there were banners, there were they were throwing uh, chocolate, chocolate coins on the field, interrupting games several times, tennis balls, banners. I mean, all sorts of protests inside and outside the stadium all weekend long. And the frustration for me is that, you know, yeah, I was tweeting about this, showing some of the videos, what was happening. These are, this is a major uh, incident within world soccer. It's a major incident within the Bundesliga, of course. But there's very, <laughs> there was very little pickup, very, very little interest. People didn't seem to care. And to me, this is a massive story. This is a story with massive implications. The German soccer fans are fighting a, a back against a lot of this private equity investment that you see in the Premier League that you mean. So they got political big time and nobody seemed to care. Now, if this was happening in the Premier League and you had you mean, games being disrupted because of protest and you had people throwing crap on, on the field and banners and all this stuff, it would be you mean, front page news, not in the United States, but it'd be front page news across all soccer websites like, you mean. And I, and I think it gave me an understanding of, you know, I love the Bundesliga. I, I watch it as much as I can. Um, but if this was happening in the Premier League, you'd, you'd have all of social media freaking out about it. It would be viral. It would be like, oh, my gosh, did you see this? And it didn't happen. And, and going back to what you said, Carter, you, you raised you know, several good points. To me, I mean, the examples of the Bundesliga and Serie A, uh, show how much further along the Premier League is. And, and, and what I mean by that is, 
you've had Americans, some of the best American stars, Christine Pulisic in his prime, playing for Dortmund, uh, playing in uh, the Bundesliga, games live on Fox and FS1, sometimes FS2, but lots of coverage about that. And, and many other Americans or German-Americans um, playing in the Bundesliga. That didn't move the needle. In Serie A, you've had, you mean, Yunus Musa, you go down the list, uh, uh, Weyer, McKenney, you mean, uh, of course, Pulisic playing for Serie A. And while those have been great to see and they're doing well, and that's great, great stories. Um, and I'm sure it's it's helped increase the number of people watching games. It's not a massive number. If if it was, you mean, CBS would be putting those games on, you mean, CBS uh, over the air network or CBS Sports Network for the most part. Most of it's on Paramount Plus. So I think those two examples to me kind of show, and also the Bundesliga example about all the riots and everything happening, how much further along the Premier League is. And it seems at this point in time, Kartik, it's almost untouchable, unreachable. That I'm not sure anything that they can do is at this moment in time uh, to actually fight against that, to actually change things in terms of you mean improving things on the uh, number of viewers or, or these, these TV deals. Yeah, so in terms of... Um your point about the Bundesliga and Serie A and American players. Again, with the segregation of the audience, there are not that many US M&T fans that week in, week out are watching matches. I, this is what I found. Like, there, It's a very strange phenomenon. It's different than other countries where there are people who turn the US men's national team into their club team. Right? They're not watching MLS. In fact, a lot of them are very dismissive of MLS in a uh, condescending way. Right, you on this podcast and on the World Soccer Talk site, Chris, you and I try and be critical of MLS, but we want the product to succeed, and there are things we like about MLS. These people are just uh, condescending to no end about MLS. Uh, you know, basically, uh, they they treat MLS the way uh, I, I actually I don't want to make the analogy I was going to make, but it's terrible. And then they don't watch U.S. men's national team players from week to week. They watch highlight clips and then obsess about. Oh, you know, way I dribble past three guys uh, for 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 for, for uh, uh, and, and all of this stuff when they don't watch the game in context and they don't watch the mistakes American players make and they don't realize they're not fit and that's why they've been subbed off. There are not that many people watching games in this country because they're U.S. men's national team fans. They're watching it for other reasons: the atmosphere, the ambiance, the quality of play, the entertainment level, and on all those um, uh, uh, things. Uh, the market has voted for the Premier League. Now, I might disagree in my opinion. I think there is better quality in other places at, at various times, but the market has chosen the Premier League. This this idea that you have to have an American player to win over the American audience has been proven a complete fallacy for years and years and years. And in fact, Chris, when you and I went to Germany in 2015, um, and we went to Leverkusen, and we went to Schalke, and we went uh, to the to the other clubs we went to. We we basically were told, hey, you know, this American's going to move the needle for us. And Schalke at the time was bringing Americans into their academy. One of them ended up being Weston McKinney, who became a pretty big star. It didn't move the needle. Leverkusen has had more American players through the years um, than ever than anyone I think in Europe, other than Fulham. It, it didn't move the needle, so I don't think that matters. Now on the fan uh, thing, I think. We just have to be realistic. The Premier League has priced the people who would be um, causing disturbances in the stands. They priced them out of the stadiums. Mm -hmm. um, and there are more empty seats at Premier League stadiums that you might see on TV, that, that, that you might think there are. Um, the, the price 
a point to get into some of these Premier League games is ludicrous. In Germany, it's the opposite. Germany, it's it's probably cheaper to go to uh, uh, a season pass for Freiburg than to buy a Portland Timbers kit, right? <laughs> you know, right. Or, or one of these new MLS kits, right? That are one hundred and eighty dollars. So I think it's different. But you know, people do, people in the U.S. don't necessarily grasp these issues. So. Um, it's good that England doesn't have those disturbances because we saw, and you and I felt very differently about this than the average American fan. You, but we saw the reaction when Manchester United fans did what they did uh, a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. I was a big supporter of what they did. I thought it was overdue. I'm glad they did what they did. But the reaction from the average American fan was, oh my God, it's the biggest rivalry against uh, Liverpool. How dare these fans do this? How dare they question the ownership? How dare they disrupt this match? So um, what happened in the Bundesliga this weekend, I sympathize with it heavily, but it doesn't help them in the American, uh, in the American yeah. market at all. It hurts them probably. Well, well, the the other thing too, which I mean, I don't blame them. Uh, it's the German language, right? They're in Germany. They're, it's it's a very G- German league, uh, with a lot of players from around the world. But all the banners, the signs, I mean, it's all in German. So I'm watching this. I'm like, okay, I, I know a little bit of German, and I can look up some of the words, but sometimes I miss the context. Um, thank God for Archie Rin Tut, who did a great job for ESPN in terms of explaining the situation, explaining what the banners said as a pitch side reporter, uh, talking about, you I mean, some of these discussions that he had with some of the fans and, and, and why they were doing this, because it helped me relate a lot better. And then I think that's one of the reasons, too, the Bundesliga has a tough time in the US is just it just comes down to language. It's just, you I mean, for the average fan, they're not going to be able to understand some of the things that are going on with the Premier League. You know, I mean, in terms of, you mean, it's the same language. It's, you mean, there's a lot of things to, that we can relate to, uh, together. But but they do have uh, more German. Uh, they do have more English language uh, uh, savvy players and coaches. So after yeah. Yeah, 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 post game yeah. post game on Saturday, Archie Rintut, uh and uh, Thomas Hitzelsberger were able to interview Nathan Tella, who's English. I know he plays yeah. for another national team now, just because he didn't get an English call up, but uh, uh, England call up, a very good player, maybe a guy that England should have been looking at. Um, well, always liked him when he was at Southampton. It, it didn't work mm-hmm. for, it didn't happen for him there, but playing very well in the Bundesliga. So they talked to him. They talked to Xavi Alonso, who we know is very fluent in English. They talked to someone else also. La Liga, they're not able to do that. So. I, I, I mean, I, I yeah. get what you're saying about the language. I agree, but there's more ability to, to connect to English language audiences with the Bundesliga than La Liga or Serie A, and it's still, it still hasn't happened. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, going back to my question about what should these leagues do, honestly, I think Serie A would be better off just sticking with CBS Sports and Paramount Plus and just realizing that, like you said too, Kartik, is that don't always go for the money go for who's the best partner and for Serie A CBS Sports I think that would be fantastic work together try try to work this out and try to figure out a way to get some of these games on over the air television or try to grow that to be you mean have more games on television uh, same thing for the French League I mean being sports is probably I mean the most uh and I wouldn't say hated but most disliked uh broadcaster in the United States for soccer 
yet even no other broadcaster is going to offer them what they're currently getting which is every single game from Ligon is shown either on uh, streaming or television most of the major uh, Ligon games are shown on being sports and being sports in Espanol I mean it really is it really has become kind but of the, the let League me ask One you channel. this about yeah. them um they do have a relationship with Discovery, which has ebbed and flowed through the years, but they've been on Discovery channels uh, in Europe before. In, in France, for one season, they were on Discovery Plus, right? Uh, uh, so is that a possibility, Warner Brothers Discovery? May they have interest just because they have interest in the league and other, other, um, other territories, or do you think it, it's a non-starter? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think it's it's a possibility, but it's one of those things that it's not going to move the needle either, though. So if it is on Warner Brothers Discovery, you know, where does it end up? Is it on Max? And are people going to subscribe to Max just to watch Lee Gurn? Or even if it's included in this mega app, um, I mean, is someone going to pay $50 a month to get that just to watch League Gun games? And then at the same time, too, if Kylian Mbappe does leave and go to Real Madrid, I mean, overnight, basically, um, the value of League Gun as far as its appeal goes down dramatically. So, you know, it's a possibility with Warner Brothers Discovery. I just don't think it's the best, I guess, distribution. And now people would argue with being sports, like, well, you I mean, nobody gets it. It's not on my cable channel. But there's deals. I mean, you can get, I think I think Sling is offering, I think it's either $5 a month or $10 a month uh, on Sling, where you can get the being sports channels uh, and, and some other channels too, but mostly being sports channels. The Fanatis is what, uh, $10 a month. So if you really wanted to, cost effectively, you can get things to watch being sports, to watch League Earn. Uh, yeah, to me, to me, that's the best route. The the what same thing with the Turkish league. Just just stay with being sports. You I mean that's a good home for them. 
last but not least, um, the EFL. That's the one that's the most interesting to me, Kartik, because, you I mean, they've got relevant sports. They've come in. Relevant sports supposedly has some big ideas about how they can market the English Football League. You do have clubs such as Wrexham, who are pretty attractive. You I mean, you got Portsmouth and Bolton and Stockport and a lot of the teams in uh, League One and League Two that... Uh, you mean have there's definitely interest in those and then you've got the championship teams so you've got the the Leeds and Southamptons and Leicesters uh so on and so forth so uh you do have a lot of history and stories um but how can they market themselves market that league in the United States and try to find a uh, a new broadcaster or or to redo with ESPN plus i think they definitely have some big aspirations of what they want to achieve um, whether or not they can is, is a different story. But uh, that's the one I'm, I'm most fascinated by to see what they do, especially with bringing in relevant sports in and relevant probably trying to say, hey, we can do a lot, a lot more than what ESPN Plus is doing right now and find a different broadcaster. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I think I think the uh, uh, the EFL deal or the football league, as it was known then, was originally a, a BAMTEC deal, right? It was originally a, right. a Major League Baseball uh, advanced media deal that ESPN Plus then took over. They've never really. I mean, they've tried this year. They put a couple of games on on uh, ESPN two. Uh, yeah. They did last season too. But um, yeah, I, I think um, the Wrexham thing is an incentive. As are some of the other clubs you mentioned. Pompey, Bolton's on their way back. Some other clubs that have followings in the U.S. You know, I, I know from my time doing the Manchester City um, um, stuff for SB Nation. Now we're going back a decade, so maybe things have completely changed. But at the time, we had more readers of the Sunderland blog in the U.S. and the Bolton blog in the U.S., both of whom had been relegated. Oh, well, actually, Sunderland hadn't been relegated by that time, but Bolton had been. Sunderland, I think, are more popular than ever because of Netflix. So actually, Sunderland is an important brand. They probably won't get up this year, so whoever has the package next will inherit that. Leicester will be gone, right? They'll be in the Premier League. Yep. And... Uh, Leeds. Leeds or, Leeds or right. Southampton will be, but they could come back down. I don't think Leicester will come back down once they go back up. It was a one-year blip. Uh, they paid for it. Uh, they'll be a mid-table team when they go back up, I'm pretty convinced, uh, permanently. Whereas uh, Leeds and Southampton, you'll probably get one or one or both of them back in the duration of the next um, next media deal. So Relevant has some pieces to work with there. Yeah. Um, and, My... and pot potentially My... you get Burnley with this new kind of NFL – jj watt following in the mm -hmm. championship next year uh it's looking more and more likely so that's another piece that they can leverage maybe yeah my my dream on this one would be that peacock picks it up you know relevant does a deal with a peacock and peacock says hey you know I me mean? we're gonna offer every championship game every every league one game every league two game make them all available you mean basically one place to get them all and then in the next Premier League deal, which is going to happen in, in a few years, well, 2028, I think it is, um, that one is supposed to be the EFL and the Premier League combined in one major deal. They're combining that those rights together to sell them internationally and then hoping that you mean, Peacock and NBC Sports can renew that deal and kind of really kind of... I mean, to, to, to me, that that's the part that's missing with the Premier League in the US, which has been fantastic on NBC Sports. But you have all these great stories in the leagues beneath that, right? You've got your Exums, Leeds and Southamptons and Leicesters. And oftentimes, I mean, a perfect example is Luton, right? You and I know Luton very well in terms of the history, 
I mean, and everything about that club as far as, you mean, you mean Kenilworth Road, etc. But a lot of people, when they get when a team like Rutland gets promoted to the Premier League, it's like, okay, for a lot of people, it's like, okay, who is this team? What are they all about? You mean, tell me more about the history of this team. I haven't seen this team before. And, and I think that's the part that sometimes is a little bit different is for a lot of mainstream Premier League fans, then it's a brand new team that they know nothing about and they have to learn about it. But it'd be great to kind of have, be able to watch some of those games. You mean, in previous years, for example, if Luton was in the championship, watch those games and then go ahead and watch uh, the Premier League. However, making sure that they don't cannibalize each other, other which is which is could be a, a, an issue if, if, it be, if Leeds United was on at the same time as, I don't know, a Crystal Palace game, for example. All right, Kartik, let's move on to listener mailbag. We've got a lot of great feedback from you, the listeners. Uh, first up, uh, to, talk, to talk about what we talked about last week, which was MLS and uh, Messi, among many other topics. But Dave says, um, uh, what else would Major League Soccer and Apple market if they are not all in on Messi? Big MLS fans are well served by the Apple deal. But what is the hook other than Messi for casual U.S. sports fans or soccer fans outside the U.S.? <coughs> uh, many leagues develop young players, selling the better, better ones to Europe and providing careers to those a cut or two below that caliber. As well, many leagues provide ramp down opportunities for former top players who have lost a step or two. MLS seems rather undifferentiated. And I'm not sure what better options Apple or MLS have than to push hard with Messi. Kartik, do you agree with that? I think MLS has become much better at developing talent that moves on to Europe and also um, those second-tier uh, players, particularly from Latin America, that are not in Europe but maybe uh, have, taken, have chosen MLS over their domestic leagues, and, and that includes Argentina which uh, Argentine still insists to me it's the best league in, 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 in the Americas. I wholeheartedly disagree. Uh, in fact, I see a lot of Argentine players who are in their prime move to MLS. That would be the marketing strategy. Messi kind of, uh, you know, Messi, Suarez, what Inter Miami has done is kind of contradictory to what the rest of the league has done. Um, and I think this is an Apple-induced uh, strategy because MLS, I think, was going on the right line in terms of, um, Almiron, that's a great example, right? They have Almiron go to Newcastle. Um, I, MLS Next Pro, uh, their, 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 their third division, has been using Alfonso Davies, who never played in that league because that league didn't exist when he played on all their promotional material. Why? Because that's a very logical thing MLS did. Develop Davies, move to Bayern. You see how bad Bayern is on the left side with him injured, by the way. We saw that on... Uh, on uh, Saturday against Leverkusen, you know, global superstar. But they've gotten away with uh, uh, from that with the Apple thing. So I, I don't know. I, I assume they're going to pivot back to um, – maybe they're not in control of their own marketing at this point, so maybe they won't pivot back. Yeah, good question. Uh, I, th I think as long as Messi's there, that they're still going to kind of gravitate to that. So this year or next year, it will be all Messi. I, I agree with you that um, that angle, as far as a lot of the, the star Latino players uh, that are coming from South America, coming into Major League Soccer, and then going on to Europe. And, and Tiago Almada is another example of, of a great skill player that probably will be sold this summer to one of the big European clubs. 
But um, I, I mean, personally, I'd rather see. I mean, I think that that angle is a good angle for the Spanish language audience more so. From the English language audience, I'd love to see Major League Soccer focus in on a lot of the American stars, kind of the young and upcoming American stars. And, and it's tough too because at the same time, a lot of those stars are, are playing in Europe, right? They're playing in Germany or or, or Italy or, or Spain or or England. So, um, and that's and we saw too Brandon Vasquez moving over to uh, Monterrey in the Liga MX. We saw uh, almost uh, Duncan Maguire uh, going to you mean Blackburn in England. Um, so, some some that's what I'd like to see more f- focus on is, is the American stars because right this second, unless you're a defender or a goalkeeper, you mean they're really not. I don't know I, I, who are the American stars in Major League Soccer. You mean that that's where I'd like to see more of the focus and. and you mean there are th- they are there, but who are they, and and wh- why aren't those guys being marketed? Uh, next up is Dan, and Dan says, Chris used this term during the last podcast, and I'm I'm afraid we're going to see that this is really true of the Messi deal. How many times have we seen it already? Messi didn't play in the U.S. Open Cup final, uh, not to mention some other uh, game. Actually, I'm sorry. Let me backtrack a little bit on this one. So Dan mentioned about um, the bait and switch, which is what I mentioned on last week's podcast, where all this marketing has been done by Apple, seemingly, where it's uh, go see Messi play, watch Messi's uh, games, uh, watch him play Messi's friendlies, with no mention of Inter Miami, <laughs> no mention of the opponents, uh, and then you I mean if you're a, an Apple TV MLS season pass subscriber, uh, all that marketing goes into it, and then you turn on the game and he's not playing, and it, and it feels like a bait and switch. So Dan says Chris used this term during the last podcast, uh, the last podcast, and I'm I'm afraid we're going to see that that this is really true of the Messi deal. How many times have we seen it already? Messi didn't play in the US, U.S. Open Cup final, not to mention some other games towards the end of last season where there were big crowds that showed up only to find out last minute that Messi wouldn't play. It's going to wear pretty thin pretty soon when people have paid large premiums and then Messi does not play. Uh, Chris Guardino says, MLS and especially Apple putting so much focus on Messi and into Miami should anger fans of other MLS clubs big time mainly because it makes MLS seem like a one-club league, not that different to how many people view Ligue 1 with PSG. In reality, there are many great clubs in the league, such as Seattle, Atlanta, LAFC, among others. Even cities the size of Columbus and Cincinnati have clubs that are successful with passionate fan bases. I'm very surprised that both MLS and Apple have not done a better job of marketing in the league's parity as a way of driving up subscri- subscriber numbers for MLS season pass, because that is a selling point for MLS, at least in my view. Uh, meanwhile, I have a question from one of my friends regarding Fox's future with the World Cup. Their question is, do you see Fox cashing out after 2026 and being done with the World Cup entirely? Kartik. Yes, I, I think they're done in terms of, I don't think they have um, the, the resources, the cash resources to... Um, keep the rights beyond 2026. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure who, who who would take it in the U.S., right? I mean, I, I suppose NBC Universal or uh, Paramount or CBS would be would be the competition. Uh, I don't think uh, ESPN is in the is in the frame for it. 
uh, unless they did some sort of maybe Fox and ESPN can work a, a deal where you have two rights holders and and and, and they split the games. That that's the only. Um, the, 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 the price point is going to be too high for these media companies, in, in my opinion. I, I just think it's, uh, it's something FIFA may not quite grasp around, about the rights cycles in the U.S. Because it's been so long since they negotiated a new deal in the U.S. that there's a bubble that's burst in terms of, uh, of money with sports rights. Um, and the, um, the, the, the problems ESPN has because of their long-term deals in other sports um, – is something that has, has tied their hands. So um, FIFA may find this a little surprising when they go, go to market to negotiate the new deal. Yeah, up until about probably maybe three months ago, I would have said, I would have agreed with you, Kantik, and said, yeah, definitely Fox is out after the 2026 World Cup. But since Saudi got the 2030 World Cup, I don't know, I'm starting to think that maybe possibly there's a way for Fox to say, hey, that, that's, let's do it. Uh, who knows how much money the Saudis would, would be pumping in as far as advertising and sponsorship dollars to make this look as the you mean the best World Cup ever. I'm sure Saudi Arabia is going to position it that way. I mean, it's going to be the, the most inclusive. It's going to be the most, you mean, throw in all of those kind of you mean, adjectives in terms of how they position this. And could they get that with any other broadcaster that's going to say, hey, yeah, whatever it takes, whatever you want us to do, we'll, we'll do it for you. Um, I'm not so sure. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But um, I'm not so convinced that Fox is out of the World Cup game after 2026. I think the timing of that rights deal, the next rights deal is is huge because if it happened after the 2026 World Cup, um, after Fox has seen record TV viewing numbers and all the numbers, all the metrics, and they've made a ton of money. Maybe at that point, Fox might say, "Hey, let's, let's go for it. Let's let's do 2030 also." Uh, next up is Robert. Robert said the Saudi Go for the Money tour was predestined to be a disaster. It was all about the money. Miami is not a top MLS team. They finished near the bottom last year and will only maybe uh, be in the top six this year. Leo and Luis uh, Suarez uh, will only be involved in some of the games. Suarez was a mistake. They needed a forward in their prime to build around for the future. Suarez looked good. I mean, the games I saw him play in the Saudi against the Saudi teams, he he's good. I I mean, he's still got it. He's he's it's not it's not as if he's like walking around the field or anything. He's the same uh, Luis Suarez we've known all along. Okay, so there's two two things here. First off, MLS fans have been really uh, annoying in, in writing off the Saudi League, even this past summer when we did our podcast on the Saudi League. Oh, uh, it, it's a joke, blah, blah, blah. Uh, in fact, if you look at the Club World Cup, uh, the Saudi League has done fairly well when their teams have qualified, uh, which MLS cannot say. So there is a... There is a standard in that league, even when you take the Ronaldos and, and, and uh, the Benzema's out of it, that, 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 that has been established. Uh, secondly, this, is, this assumes that this is an actual sporting competition. Right now, um, there are teams that view MLS as a sporting competition and, and, and credit to them, the Philadelphias and, and the LAFCs and, and, and the uh, Columbuses, uh, among others. But there are also clubs uh, and and uh, marketing uh, entities and 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 media partners, Apple, that view MLS as a uh, as just kind of a a, a marketing engine, cash and, machine, and a cash machine, right? And 
that's Miami is fitting that 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 model. There's nothing wrong with it. If you understand what MLS is conceptually, you would actually be applauding Jorge Mas for going out and doing what he's done to elevate MLS's profile in the world MLS wants to be a big dog in. They're not concerned as much about the sporting competition as uh, soccer fans would like to think they are. So I, I actually give Inter Miami a lot of credit. They're doing they're they're doing what. Uh, uh, MLS as as a league conceptually wants their clubs to do. Like, let's be honest about it. That that's the reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. And then there was, um, you mean the the new stadium that they're building in Miami, which is going to be a twenty five thousand seat stadium. They're, they're pushing to trying to get ready for uh, next year, so it'll be ready in time at least for part of uh, Messi's last season. Um, but there's been some leaked pictures of. Um, or some designs of what this is going to look like. And I've never seen anything like this before. I mean, and this goes to kind of what you're saying, Kartik, which is that the stadium's plans right now is that one entire sideline of the field, the whole length of the sideline, is saved for premium seats. Uh, so VIP, club seats, there's no, there's no individual I mean, kind of reserved seating. It's all... Right. If you want any of these seats along this entire sideline, so basically, you I mean probably about what quarter of the stadium, maybe even more than a quarter of the stadium is reserved for the VIPs. I and as far as I can think of, I can't think of any other stadium in the world, soccer stadium, that has this. And some of the prices, it's not confirmed yet because these are the price. They're doing a lot of research to try to figure out how much money people are willing to spend on these types of tickets. But they range in price for one person, for one season ticket uh, in these seats from the low end, which is 5400 to the high end, which is 23000 per person. So they're going after, you mean, what, the 1% or the people that um, you only live once, you know, YOLO, kind of, they're going for that. But this is people. the direction football's going. I mean, having a World Cup in Qatar, uh, all these right. people who, Saudi. all these things that, yeah, Saudi, all these football events in Dubai. Dubai is a 1% city. I've actually made that analogy to people in other lines of work that, you know, it's it's cosmetic and, and all the rich people, the plutocrats go there, but for the other 99%, it's a pretty shitty place to be. Um, the same thing with Doha. This is the, the trend. So maybe Inter Miami is ahead of it, but it's, it's, it's disgusting. And this is, again, um, maybe something that in the United States is popular because the Bundesliga is the opposite of this model. And the Bundesliga has never been able to use that uh, to, to, to latch American audiences, right? American audiences, as we said earlier in this show, uh, they didn't agree with you and I when we were... Uh, uh, I, I, maybe you weren't cheerleading as much as I was, but I was cheerleading, I will say openly, for the Man, Man United fans uh, that did what they did that, that Sunday when uh, they had the, the match against Liverpool. I, I supported them wholeheartedly. I got so much backlash from that. Like, oh, well, it's, you know, people want to see the game and it's Liverpool, Manchester United. You know, these fans should just shut up and go support <laughs> their team. You know, yeah. that, that's the attitude in this country. So maybe Inter Miami's ahead of it. This is what people want in the, in the U.S., yeah, and and the perception, both you and I, Kartik, who I mean, I used to live in South Florida for most of my life. You've lived there for practically your whole life. The perception among many people in this country and, and worldwide is that Miami is a very glamorous city. It's I mean, very 
up and coming, it's you mean exciting, it's all these things, all these adjectives kind of used. The reality is, you and I know this from from personal experience, is that Miami is ranked in the top three uh, worst cities in the United States for income and pro- poverty, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I'm surprised it's not number one, actually. Yeah, it might be number one now, but it, it's one of those. It, it's a very poor city. There's a lot. The the majority of people that are living in that city uh, don't have a lot of money or are very house poor. Basically, they, they may, you mean they might have all the money put into a house, and, and and that that's all they've got, and they live in paycheck to paycheck. So Miami, into Miami, going back to what you were saying about Jorge Mas and what they're doing, is they're just target demographic. They're just going for the one percent for the people that do have money in such a big, massive place, and just trying to cash in as as much as they can. Going back to the Bundesliga, you know, that, that's like the opposite, right, of the Bundesliga. Um, but at the end of the day, it's you mean for some people, it's more about entertainment and about amusement, about having a fun time. I think for German soccer fans, it is also, but it, there's more community aspect. There's more meaning there. Um, go ahead, Cotton. And, and we haven't talked about this yet on on this show, but the Jacksonville Armada, who are joining MLS Next Pro in 2025, they're building a new stadium in downtown Jacksonville. Well, one whole side of the stadium or one uh, uh, behind, one area behind the goal is going to be uh, offices for rent. You know, we work space basically. Wow. So this is another. Uh, it's funny because it's two Florida teams that are doing this. So maybe it just says something about Florida in general, our our home state, Chris. But um, that's another thing that just floored me that they're doing that. And uh, you know, it probably is a viable business model for the Armada. Hey, you know, a quarter of our stadium is going to go to to office space, and. Yeah. Uh, and so we're we, we're doing retail as well as, as as soccer. Yeah, 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 and it might be right. Exactly, it's it's real estate. It's more of a real real estate thing than than it is about uh, a community aspect type of thing. Last but not least, uh, we have a comment from uh, XH, and he he wants to talk to us about uh, Brazil. And uh, XH says, "I've seen reports that the Brazil Libra League might be announced in a few months." If this proposal goes well, does the Brazil Brazilian league get to compete with some of Europe's best? And uh, we had a great article this week at worldsoccertalk.com uh, written by Carl Fansler that goes into more depth about the Brazilian plans. And the plans that they have is that they want to create a Premier League. They want to reform their current leagues and have a Premier League of kind of the, the elite Brazilian clubs. Given that a lot of the the best players in the world are Brazilian, you uh, mean try to you mean build the academies and improve that, and then have that be a focus for globally, right? If you want to watch games from some of the best players in the world or the best young players in the world, let's watch the Brazilian league, um, and then possibly sell those players on to Europe as they do now, but but really become more of a, a TV centric, streaming centric place. Uh, the reality, though, is is that there's actually two complete competing groups uh, trying to go ahead and figure out a deal that's going to work for everyone. So uh, I don't think it's going to be a few months away from launching or be announced. They still have a lot of work to go through to actually figure out a plan. All right, listeners, uh, we want you to have your say. So we'd love to hear from you um, in any of these uh, following ways. Uh, you can reach us through the web which is um, worldsoccertalk.com. Click on the podcast and then leave your comments in the most recent episode. You can email us, which is web at worldsoccertalk.com. 
you can leave us a voicemail, which is 561-247-4625. Hit us up on youtube.com slash worldsoccertalk and leave a comment in one of the most recent episodes. Uh, what else? Uh, is facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. You can leave a message there. And then last but not least, uh, Twitter slash X. And we're at World Soccer Talk. Kartik, uh, where can people find you? And uh, what are you focusing on uh, this week uh, in regards to Beyond the 90 and, and for next week too? Yeah, Beyond the 90, the focus is uh, US Open Cup and uh, the, the release of NPSL schedules, USL League 2, USL uh, W League and NISA. NISA is still very much kind of in limbo. U.S. Open Cup, uh, you've talked about it on, on the World Soccer Talk site, uh, Chris. Very much uh, uh, a lot of discussion still going on there. So that's beyond90.substack.com. Uh, also, as I teased earlier in the show, the Florida History Podcast, which you can find on, on any podcast service, launching a series on Disney, the Disney Amusement Parks, if you're interested in Walt Disney World and Epcot Center, that sort of thing, um, this coming week. And you can find me on Twitter at KKFLA737. Any games this weekend, Kartik? Anything you're kind of looking out, looking forward to, or anything that's uh, jumping out at you of interest? No, this past weekend was uh, was all about the Bundesliga, right? And the yeah. uh, and 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 that match, uh, the, the Leverkusen Bayern match. I mean, I think um, for me this weekend, perhaps the, uh, the, the 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 match to really watch um, is. Um, this this match between Spurs and Wolves because Wolves um, have been very very open right they concede a ton of goals even though they score a lot too right three two four three games um, Spurs score a ton of goals but also concede a ton of goals so I think this might be uh, not necessarily in terms of quality but in terms of entertainment one of your most entertaining matches in Europe this season I mean it has the prospect of being a four four or five five match so. Having said that, we know we're headed for a nil-nil. The whole <laughs> commentator is cursed. But that's actually the match I'm looking forward to from an entertainment standpoint. Yeah, I'm going to be keep, keeping my eyes on uh, Bochum against uh, Bayern. Um, I mean, if Bayern loses that, that match, then I think Tuchel's gone. But um, the other one that I'm going to watch is um, Everton against Crystal Palace on Monday, which you wouldn't think would be like, you mean, kind of top of the list, but... Uh, Everton is supposed to have found out um, probably by the time you listen to this podcast whether or not what happens with their appeal about the, t- the points deduction. So it could be that the, the appeal, I mean, basically the points deduction stays the same or maybe they get some points shaved off and, and it's not going to be as bad as what it was that the 10 points originally. Um, however, with the game being played at home at Goodison on Monday, no matter what happens, I think unless the Premier League comes out and says, "Okay, all right, that points deduction, that ten points, eh, we changed our mind. We're going to take it away." Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of tension and hostility there, and at the same time, too, with Crystal Palace, there's a good chance they might have a new manager on, on Monday. Um, the gentleman from, from Frankfurt might be in charge there, uh, or at least in the stands to watch. Um, so we'll see. That that one looks like it's going to be a really intriguing match, both on and off the pitch. Yeah, I'm going to second your your Balcom, uh Bayern recommendation. I think Bayern is really teetering on the brink now. Um, look, we've gotten so used to 
Uh, and we have to remember Leverkusen is not Dortmund. We've gotten so used to Bayern playing Dortmund in these matches where Dortmund's ahead in the table or they're neck and neck, and then Bayern beat them 5-0, right? Yeah. Now, this match, was uh, I was fearing the same thing. I thought, oh, you know, Leverkusen, great story, but this is where it ends. In fact, the 3-0, uh, as Alejandro Moreno put out there on the ESPN studio, really felt like it was 6 or 7-0. It should have been that. Yep. So. Um, Leverkusen was playing the Bayern role. So now Bayern is, is if you didn't watch that match, Bayern is flailing. They have never come out in a head-to-head matchup against uh, their closest contender, uh, their closest rival in the Bundesliga, and looked like that. The 3-0 scoreline actually flattered Bayern. So they, and then obviously follow up with the loss to Lazio, although it's a first leg. I think they probably go back to the Allianz and, and overturn it. But uh, yeah, Tuchel will be gone if, if they don't win this match. It's amazing, Kartik, when you think about it, just just to close, that when we did visit the Bundesliga, I don't know, what was it, five years ago, or whatever it was, um, and we visited Bayer Leverkusen and Schalke and those teams and how their trajectory <laughs> yeah, has changed yeah. so much. Schalke near the bottom of the, the second division and Bayer Leverkusen looking like they're, they're probably, hopefully, going to win the Bundesliga. And let's not forget, Chris... The way we approached the trip is we were going to a big club, Schalke, and we were going to like this smaller kind of niche corporate club in Leverkusen, right? That's the yeah. way it, it was at the time. So total yeah. role, role reversal, which, uh, again, is another reason I love the Bundesliga. I think the Bundesliga, you see teams, you see Union last year, you see Freiburg multiple seasons. The, the, these clubs you don't expect to be near the top. Leverkusen has generally been in the in the last 20 years in the top half um but you don't expect them to be they're called neighbor they're dictating neighbor cruising for a reason they never win anything um you don't expect them to be there and schalke um i think has the third or fourth largest number of members of any club in germany I, i'm not sure if eintracht has more or they have more but it's it's uh bayern and dortmund obviously way ahead of the others but i think schalke might be third so it's stunning where they are uh, exactly and that they, they might tumble out of business at this point that's the way it's looking exactly alright listeners thank you so much enjoy your football Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.